0: Welcome back to the BAT podcast, Howard, Zach, and Alex are here uh, with a very special guest today, Rob Dietz, better known as BAT seller extraordinaire, Wob. Rob, what's happening? Not much. How are you doing today? We're doing well. So first of all, um, you've sold a ton of great stuff uh, on BAT uh, since the start of auctions back in 2014. We're going to get into a bunch of that uh, in the next hour. Um, but first of all, could you tell us what is WAB? What does that even stand for? People want to know. I know. And that's why I leave it a secret. Uh,
1: it's, it's meaningless. So, uh, back in, you know, the advent of the internet, when forums were coming out, uh, I had to join a forum and I had no clue what to make a name for. And at the time I was dating a girl who her, uh, her little sister was like four years old and couldn't say my name right. And so she would say Wob instead of Rob. And I joined a forum and I just was like, oh, that's cute. You know, I'll make that my forum name. And then every time I join a, join a forum, I would just uh, use some derivation of that name. And uh, when I joined to bring a trailer, you guys hadn't been doing auctions yet. And uh, so I joined, yeah, Wob, W-O-B, whatever, you know, that that's fine. And uh When we first gave you guys a car to sell, uh, you know, my client was like, oh, yeah, we have to make an account there. Oh, no problem. I've already got one. Well, we sold the car and it went well and then lather, rinse, repeat. And here we are like 500 and something odd cars later where I've unintentionally uh, branded this ridiculous name because a little child couldn't say my name right. So (laughs) that's how most.
2: Most usernames are assigned here on Bring a Trailer. I have to know, take us back to 2001 when you're arguing about break fluid on the forums. What was the original forum you were signing up for?
1: You know what I think it may have been? I think it was was a Skyline forum, and I don't remember which one it was called. Uh, At the time, I was looking at an R32 Skyline and I was trying to learn some information about him, and I don't even remember what it was, Nico or maybe uh, something to that effect.
2: Nice, uh, so probably trying to import one in parts.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get some like cancel culture going if we look back and see if there's anything like super, super aggressive that was said then.
2: I don't even know if they've renewed their URL, we'll probably get <laughs> <blem> paid, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, Rob,
0: yeah. you have uh, currently your auction number 536, I believe, live uh, on the site now, which is super impressive no matter how you slice it. You're, I think, in the top two or three uh, all-time sellers in, in car count, in in views and likes and watchers, any metric. You definitely rank very highly. Um, I don't want to give you too much credit, but I think you kind of uh, you know pioneered this now growing kind of industry of assisting um assisting people with selling their cars on Bring a Trailer. I know uh, Dietz Motorcraft and now Wab Cars, uh, you initially started in, in kind of collection management, um, but then added to kind of your service offering, uh, assisting uh, sellers with with BAT listings. So uh, tell us a bit about kind of the concierge service model and and what, is, what it is you do every day.
1: You know, I, I have to tell you, Howard, I, the fact that you actually got that completely right is fantastic. I I was expecting, uh, not from you, but just in general, it's hard to really get the lineage and you got it exactly right. So uh, the core of the business started off managing private car collections. Uh, And as such, we would just provide whatever concierge service was needed for our clients. That could be finding cars that could be building out collections that could be, uh, we served as a point person. We didn't really do much in house aside from, you know, you had to move some stuff around, it wouldn't start, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, we acted as a middleman to just facilitate the needs of the collection, whatever they may be. And there, the very first car uh that we were given, uh, there was a client who had a defender. And this was, I don't know how many ever years ago, where they weren't going for as much money as they were. 97 Defender, uh, white, reasonably low mile truck. And he said, You know, I'm thinking about selling it. I asked uh a uh, well-known dealer, what they'd give me on it. And they said, 34 grand. uh, So if you can, uh, if you can get me more than 34 grand, you know, that'd be great. I said, well, okay, we'll give it a try.
2: uh, Entire audience right now is just pounding their keyboards, 97 NAS 90 for 34 grand.
1: I know. And I think it was like a 30 something thousand mile truck. It was a nice truck. Uh, So we sold that truck. We put it on a popular auction site online at the time and uh we got like 60 grand for it and that client went like holy hell uh that's great and kind of referred us to some other people hey they can do some great stuff on uh and at the time it was just me he can do some great stuff on uh you know selling cars and uh, we started to get known for i started to get known why i was working for myself for being able to kind of have this different presentation you know more photos professional style photos more information uh which uh which ultimately wound up uh really uh gaining steam when you guys started doing auctions um at the time we were managing uh collection and uh he had a uh, couple cars and we had some conversations said hey we'll give you guys some cars and i think it was reciprocal and you and uh we gave you guys a uh, a single cab Volkswagen, and I want to say it was it was pretty early on in auctions with you guys. I don't remember what it really was, but you know maybe it's either Oxygen sixty or six hundred sticks in my mind somewhere in that range. Uh,
2: and I have it actually pulled up right now. It's lot number seven hundred sixty six.
1: Hey, close enough. Uh, so
2: December twenty fifteen. Wow, God,
1: it's been that long. <laughs> Holy hell. Uh, so. Uh, it did well, and at the time, you know, relatively speaking, we look at it and go, well, that's you know a fair result. But at the time, it did really well, and so we gave you guys some more cars, and then this more public image started occurring of, oh, you know, Rob can help on a help out on a on a concierge level of marketing cars, and we kind of assumed this role of almost a real estate agent where you know, we don't own the house. We don't, uh, we're not the inspection service. We're not the, you know, this, that, or the other. We, we create a palatable digestible package of information and lustworthy photographs and information and a friendly face to manage it all. Because, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of sellers that go out there and they just have the wrong approach to it and get defensive about things and they grenade their own auctions, even with good cars. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of a package that we put together of uh, being able to promote a car in the right light while being transparent about it and, uh, and helping our clients and, and, and being able to be informative and uh, level-headed and all the things that you need for a successful auction.
2: You said right light, and this is something I wanted to get into also, and you touched on presentation, which is something that's head and shoulders above most of our sellers. I am a little curious how you learned to shoot, and when you sort of hone that motif of yours of that like wonderfully soft lighting, you nail a lot of shots, you have, I don't know, probably what, eight distinct shoot locations. If you're shooting a truck, you're maybe out in the desert, some stuff, you're probably close to the shop. How did you hone
1: that? Uh, I'd love to say that there was talent or anything behind it, but there's not. There's no talent behind it. And, and it's something that, that I encourage other sellers to explore, right? It's get a decent camera, don't shoot things on an iPhone, and experiment with some photos. You know, a long lens goes a long way. Uh, you know, you can get some depth of field with a long lens, uh, and too many guys get stand too close to their cars when they shoot. And when you stand really close with a short lens... You get this really tapered look where the front of the car looks like it's, it looks like a backwards triangle and the car tapers away from you, where a longer lens or even your regular prime lens just zoomed in a little bit, squares the car out more. Um, so it was just it was just screwing things up enough until I figured out something that didn't look screwed up.
2: There's, there's... our fellow uh, camera dorks out there. can you share your camera lens setup or is that too much of a trade secret at this point?
1: I don't even know where it's at. I think I have a, a Nikon, jeez, uh, I don't even know what it is, D750, D7500, one or the other. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a full frame. I've got a. I've got an 18, I, I was shooting with an 1855 lens and a uh, 7300 lens. And that was, I was changing lenses too much. So I just recently got a, uh, a 15 140, which has been great because it, you, you can get close up shots and not have to be too far away, but likewise, you can step back, give a little depth of field and zoom in. Uh, I'm not a camera guy. I is This is the scary part. I'm not a photographer. And, and most of the, the photography on the site is my own personal. Uh, we have guys that we do for other shots and so forth, but most of it's mine. And I looked at my camera the other day and I had a hundred thousand shutter releases on it in two years, something like that. And you know, that's like 100 photos a day or, you know, whatever, or 200 photos a day every day for two years. So it's just repetition too. Um, I
2: think you know, Malcolm Gladwell in 10,000 hours would disagree with you that you're not a
1: photographer. I know that's the funniest part, right? Yeah. I, I don't fancy myself a photographer, but apparently I am. So, um, and then, you know, don't be afraid to get some basic, uh, editing software, uh, you know lightroom is not that much money and you don't need to dive into crazy you know presets or do anything nuts i mean sometimes just shooting on a bright day you just need to take some shadows out or uh you know shooting when it's the light's a little low just you know adding a little exposure to it just you can adjust your car without um without being untrue to the car and without uh you know you want to make the bride look the best you can on her wedding day but you can't uh you can't, uh, you know, make her taller, right. You can, you can change things around. You can make the light look nicer. Um, so, uh, we spent a little bit of time in, in posts and the rest of it, you just try and set it up the best you can get, get non-invasive backgrounds, right. Don't get, uh, don't have a background where there's like a million things going on and your eyes are distracted to it and, you know, keep it simple.
2: Cool, I think we're gonna condense that audio clip into our photography guide for everyone out there. We're coaching through photos on a daily basis.
0: (laughs) Rob, you have sold such a variety of of interesting stuff. I definitely wanna get into uh, some of our favorites and, and the weird and the wonderful. Um, you know, I just you're based in Los Angeles for, for people who, who don't know. Um, I just assume you're driving around the 405 in a Unimog every day and you know taking SL65 Black Series in for B schedule services and stuff like that, but but certainly you're doing you're doing a lot more. Um you've sold, you mentioned you sold a 300 SL uh, not long ago. Um you also sold a 60 Cadillac ambulance project for eight grand. You sold a live steam locomotive not long ago. Um, so h- how are all these cars finding you? Are you basically saying yes to everything? Tell us about how you kind of approach your, your own uh, curation uh, uh, when, when you're when you're looking at, at business to take on.
1: Yeah. So a large majority of the cars that are coming to you guys from our account are still vis-a-vis the collections that we're managing. So there is a tremendous amount of those that are just collections that we've been dealing with for years and years. And as our clients want to, you know, part with cars or experience new things or rearrange the collections, they come for sale. Um, A percentage of those cars come from people that approach us as well that, you know, hey, love for you to market the car. Um, The 300 SL that we just did was a great car. That wasn't a collection we were doing a lot with. Uh, In fact, it was a collection that had already had divested with a few cars. Um, and was looking for a better means and a a kind of a better representative to do it. Um, So that was great. That was a fantastic sale. I think it's still the number one selling car on BAT, as I I think we were talking about. Um, And uh, the quirkier stuff, uh, I have a few clients that are really into the quirky, which I love. You know, I, I think you and I, Howard, have had kind of conversations in the past about this, about, you know, everyone expects us to drive these like, you know, super cool cars on our own. And and you and I both drive just utter garbage cans usually all the time. Uh, And uh, we
2: can't have you leave off on that note. What's the garbage can you drive daily, Rob?
1: Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I've got, oh, so uh, it's a funnier story than what it is, but I'll keep it short. But I've got some heap of crap uh, Mark IV Golf diesel that I do zero service to. I drove it with 45 minutes with no oil in it one time with a hole in the oil pan, knowing there was no oil in it. I, I just it's great because it's disposable. Um, you know, I have a couple of nice things, but for the most part, they're I keep garbagey cars. They're more fun. Um so uh, you know, it's I, I like the quirky. It's it's like a weird uh after you've driven it all in a sense, you start looking for this the new fix, right? So um, I get really excited by the rare history stuff. I like the World War II stuff. I like quirky. I like I like exploring everything that the motoring world has to offer. And sometimes that's a train. Sometimes that's a plane, a boat, uh, you know, a half track, a tank, whatever it may be. And thankfully, I have some clients that fall in that same bucket, too. You know, one of the clients, we've got a, a half track that's live right now, Um and this client's collection goes everywhere from Mercedes 540K to, uh, you know, Sharon, to just everything in between. And the stuff that he's the most proud of that he likes the best are his Militaria, his weird one-off cars that were built. Uh, and, and I appreciate that stuff too. And so when people come to us for it and they've got something interesting and wacky, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, as long as, as long as it's got a good story as long as I don't have to have someone chime in and go, oh, this thing was upside down and on fire before. That, that's not the the game. Um, so, but if it's got a good story and it's interesting, hell yeah. Oh. I wanna I wanna hear more about
3: uh, what what kind of
1: keeps you excited in the
3: sea of all these amazing machines, uh, Rob. But can you? Uh, I want to distract here because you're talking tanks and this is where I get excited. Uh, you listed uh, both a Sherman, but also some kind of a light. American tank, uh, World War II era as well. Um, the Sherman still had a radial in it, as I recall, a radial engine. And uh, I think the light tank had two, I know it had two hydromatic
1: transmissions, but what have Cadillac flathead V8s maybe? So something? We, yeah, we had two Stuarts that we ran. Uh, one of them was a dual Cadillac V8. Um, yeah. And the other one was a radial as well. Okay, uh, interesting. So my, my, my main question is, do you get to drive these things? And if so, what's, what's that like? <laughs> All right, so the tanks. Yes, the first time you drive a tank, it's a little nerve wracking. Uh, it's also like a childhood fantasy, right? Then afterwards, every time you have to drive a tank, you're kind of dreading it a little bit. <laughs> um, the problem is, is if you have a nice big open ranch to do this, it's fine the a lot of these tanks that we have are stored close together with other things and uh tanks are not friendly to other things uh they're not friendly to your fingers for anything everything you touch every door every piece of metal is just trying to injure you all the time um every time you move your head you're hitting your head on stuff you you just it's a lot it's a lot you have to kind of prepare yourself for it and bigger tanks are work you know that sherman um, you know, each of the controls is you're working out. Um, so driving them up on trailers for transport and that kind of stuff is it's a little nerve-wracking. The the place the tanks really shine are where you have a little bit of space to let them move around. If you have a ranch and a big uh, big plot of property, they are outrageous. Um, they're so much fun, uh, and they'll go over anything. And you know you can relax on the controls a little bit, and you're not having to kind of peek out and need spotters and that kind of stuff. But it's still the coolest thing in the world, and they're super, super loud inside.
0: Um, I think they
2: really shine in those those types of property when you also have disputes with your neighbors. <laughs> you go get the tank out, cruise it around a little bit. Absolutely. simmer.
1: I have to go take out the half track. I got to get a video for the half track. Uh, somebody asked for one. And uh, we were thinking about there's a Starbucks across the street. We we're thinking we're going to go drive it through the Starbucks drive. Oh, right. yes, dude. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. Have you driven one of those before? Is that more like a truck or more like a
1: tank? Is it actually
3: halfway in between? What does that feel like?
1: Yeah, um, they're, it's kind of just like driving an old truck. They make some more noise in the back. And there's a lot of metal um, bins and such on them that rattle. Uh, so they're kind of noisy in a different way. Tanks are noisy in just an engine sound way. And it booms through inside the tank. Um, half tracks are more like you left like 20 pounds of change just floating around on a metal plate. You just everything's just kind of rattly. Um, you can quiet them down by putting rubber buffers on everything. A lot of guys don't do it though; they just leave them the way they were. And you know, you're not really going far in a half track. You're know, commuting with it. It's usually an investment, and military in general has become significant investment pieces for people um, between you know, the way they're registered or not registered, um, the, his- the history of them, um, just the inherent value. So, uh, a lot of people just kind of leave them as is they don't care too much about it. Like a half track, you're supposed to get something like 1200 miles out of a set of treads. Um, I don't know anyone who ever needs to replace them unless you're using them for parades and making tight turns on asphalt all day. Um, but it drives like a truck. It drives like a truck that just kind of makes tank sounds in the back. Now you also listed a Half
3: track motorcycle. I think it was an NSU. Yeah. Uh, did yeah. you ride that? So you've you've done all the the different size levels of treaded vehicles, all the way down to the smallest one. Uh,
1: what was that thing like? So the Kettenkrad, NSU Kettenkrad. So they are a little bit weirder to drive, um, and that was when I was really really excited to drive for the first time. I that that Kettenkrad, um, I had never really taken one out on the road. I've moved them around, but never really driven them around. Uh, and that was the first one I had to actually drive around, um, like out on the open road. And uh, they steer very differently. You know, it, at lower speeds and higher speeds, you know, you kind of turn and and you have to kind of manipulate the bike a little bit to get it to turn the way you want when when you're on asphalt. But uh, that's a hard one to explain. It doesn't drive like a motorcycle. It doesn't drive like a tank. It just it kind of drives like a UTV with treads on it, um, but they're they're super cool. They're also loud as hell. They're, the motor's right behind you, and it's just it's they're all loud. Military, everything loud, all of it.
3: So, What's your yeah. favorite Military vehicle that you've driven or that you've experienced.
1: What's that favorite one?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: it's it's really hard to argue with a Sherman. There's just something really really cool about them. Um, we have a Walker Bulldog that we got in this year that's pretty cool. It's it's significantly larger, which is interesting because that tank is not that much newer than a Sherman. Um, you know, it was really a Korean war tank and the difference in size is substantial. Um, they're a lot wider. It's, a, it's an impressive main battle tank. Uh, and that, even just getting inside of it, it's a different experience. Uh, so it's an interesting step from the Sherman, but there's just something about a Sherman. There's just, I know it sounds cliche, but there's a reason why they have the following they do. Sure.
0: So I would say without a doubt, you're you're the volume volume leader in, in offering vehicles with you know call it machine gun uh, turrets attached. Um, I'd be curious these half track and, and and for people uh, that are following along, this is a this is an early 40s uh, U.S. Army military vehicle, um, which which is pretty neat. Uh, it's a white, I believe you had sold something similar, an auto car. I guess those were kind of all uh, under the same umbrella, more or less. Yeah. Um, but, but out of curiosity, you're, you're prepping these these cars for sale, a tank, a half track, and something breaks. How do you go about getting it fixed? You, you don't just call your local uh, foreign repair shop.
1: Uh, so this is the best answer ever. We have a tank guy. <laughs> uh, so uh, we have a tank guy and most of the parts for this stuff you can find. As weird as it sounds, there's, I don't want to say there's more spares than there are, you know, armor, but there's a lot of spares out there for stuff. And there's people who are making parts for some of the stuff too. They also made um, a, made a
3: ton of these things, right? And the military kept the parts presumably for a long time.
1: Yeah. They made a, there's a lot of backup parts around. Um, and you can find NOS stuff. The, uh, the Stuart that we just had that, so we had, um, or no, it was it the Sherman? One or the other. We had optics that were still NOS optics, still in the original bags. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong, they're they're not five dollars for a set of optics, but at the same time, they're NOS, you know, military parts, which are you know, they're out there. Um, the 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 radials is I don't mess around with radials very much myself. I couldn't be that great at diagnosing internal things necessarily, but like any engine, it's you know it's the same procedure internally right as far as you know air spark it's uh, fuel etc also it's a right it's a right whirlwind right so presumably
3: airplane guys can fix that engine i would yeah, imagine
1: yeah they can um, it's helpful with with uh, tank guys because there is a drivetrain with it too right it's not just uh, it's not thrust it's it's uh, mechanical uh, uh, movement but uh, they they were built to last in the first place. So there's not a lot of things that go wrong with them as far as moving them around and driving them. It's generally when they sit that problems occur. So if you also designed
3: started- for a designed for a 18-year-old teenager to fix it with a rudimentary education, right? So Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not it's not that bad. Hour there there's there's parts out there and they're not Horrific. Now, if you need to replace treads and that kind of stuff, you need extra guys, and I mean, you, it's it's work, right? Um, and the guys who restore tanks, I have nothing but, you know, respect for what they do because it's a lot of work to really fully restore a tank. A lot of work.
0: I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to shift. I know know what, what's near and dear to you, uh, uh, as with us, our, our you know European sports cars, which, which you list um, in great uh, quality and quantity. You've listed some awesome. Uh, 911s and 356s, all the way up to a, a Bugatti Veyron um, and, and some Alphas and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I'd love to put you on the spot a little bit uh, as it relates to uh, sports cars you've, you've uh, that have come through your shop. What what stands out? What what are your personal favorites? Uh, and, and what kind of uh, is is most memorable for you?
1: Yeah. Uh, sports cars. It's a, it's a big genre. Do we want to talk modern or do we want to talk European classic or what do you think?
0: No, intentionally open-ended Rob, go go, go for it. Okay. Um, the modern
1: stuff is great for all the reasons that it's great, which is they start up every day. They're easy to drive. You put your grandmother, like, you know, a Veyron, you could put anyone in a Veyron and they can drive it. No problem. Easiest car in the world to drive. It's like driving a golf um
2: i hope you put oil in in the bayron though
1: (laughs) you know why 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 maintain your car if you can just throw it away when you're done that's the that's the opening line for the next bayron listing this is yeah (laughs) (laughs) we we've checked the oil um you know they 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 do a lot really well um modern ferraris i'm not a ferrari guy at heart i'm not one of these guys who eats sleeps and breathes ferrari However, you know, an 812, or we've got an F12 that's actually ending today, Um, they are fantastic cars. I mean, you can pitch that thing in at ridiculous speeds, plan it, counter-steer, and look like a rock star, Um, which, again, has its place. Um, But I like cars that make you work for it a little bit. I like cars that don't have all of the inputs and nannies. I, I want to feel like I, I earned it. Even if I screwed up a lot first, I want to feel like I've earned it. So um, I tend to fall into a little bit more of an analog arena. Um, I have an Aerial Atom that I bought off of Bring a Trailer that I think is one of the funniest ways ever to drive around a track. Um, it, it's just it's so pure and so fun. And they're not a lot of money. Um, it's a lot of car for the money. So, as far as kind of driving stuff around town, um, you know, I I like the sensation and the history and the memories of what European classic sports cars could be. Um, we have a 2000 GT in right now, Japanese, uh, not European, but uh, that we are helping uh, Silver Arrow with. Uh, they're a Canadian dealer, and we're going to help them on the U.S. side here with that car a little bit. And that's another one, you know, you, you get in a 2000 GT or you get in a 300 SL or you get in these cars that have these histories to them that people talk about. There's a reason why a lot of the time, right? It's not just, um, it's not just, oh, well it's pretty or sometimes it is just because it's pretty but they're enjoyable cars and you feel a sense of occasion and history with them. You know, a, a 2000 GT, one of my favorite parts is that the clock inside them sounds like there's a grandfather clock inside, how loud it ticks. And when you first get in it and shut the door and you just hear this tick, 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 there's just a sense of occasion to it that you don't get with a modern car necessarily. Okay, um,
2: I have to stop you really quick. Tangent on 2000 GTs, yeah. top three in my personal book. I think Alex is also one of the most beautiful cars of all time, objectively, no dispute. How similar is the raw driving experience to a 240Z? Like
1: night day as much as they look alike, um, I'm not a 240 guy. Uh, I like them for what they are, but you can tell the difference in engineering. Um, and Dotson made a great car with it. They, they, they filled a void, uh, that the 2000 GT couldn't fill. Um, and it's a beautiful car. I think they're great looking cars, but, uh, Just even the seating position and the hood and how low the car is, you don't realize it until you've really been in one, but they're really low, small cars. They are tiny cars. They're very narrow. They're very short. And they're, you know, they go up to your, the middle of your waist on height. So it's a different sense of occasion. Um, I'd argue they handle better. Uh, They feel just a little bit more nimble Uh, and the motor just, has a little bit more character to it um, but for the price difference a 240z makes a pretty uh, pretty strong argument too though uh, yeah
2: you're, you're killing me right now I wanted you just to lie to me and say they drive identical just just save uh, at 10% of the cost get a great 240z and move on with your life
1: well come on down and drive this one and then uh, you know ask Howard if he can get a raise going for everybody and you know
2: Nice. That's going to be the topic of the next podcast.
1: <laughs> just corner Howard on it. All right, Howard, we don't have a guest this time. It's just going to be, what's our race? Exactly. Topic,
2: annual review.
3: <laughs> famously, those cars are too small for Sean Connery, right? Which is why they had to cut the top off of. them. That's the thing I always, I mean, not that I will ever be able to afford one. It is my favorite car indeed. And I was actually looking... At that Silverero car last night, Wob in our system. It's a white left-hand drive car, which is like perfect spec for me. Yeah, uh, I think there's only about fifty left-hand drive cars. Um, uh, uh, I'm five foot ten. Would I fit in it? That's
1: the main thing I wonder about. I'm six foot. I fit fine, but I I I, I like to sit close. Um, so you know, if you're one of those guys that likes to like you know be foot down on the clutch and be on your toes after you put the clutch all the way in, it's probably not the right car for you but I like to sit close. So to me, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable in there, there's not a ton of headroom. It's better than a Pantera. We've got a guy who who works for us. Who's six, three, six, four, something like that. He literally can't fit in the Pantera. Um, You know, he's got to sit like this when he moves the car around, he's got to sit with his head to the side. So um, they're, they're not bad. You'd fit. You'd be fine. Man. They're
3: so gorgeous. They, they give to me, uh, they're kind of jewel-like. I mean, they look handmade and and uh, you know in photos. I've only I've only been uh, seen one at a distance at the Peterson when it was on display. I think that's maybe the only one I've ever seen in person. But well, come on uh, down too.
1: <laughs> come on
0: down. Need to. Well, on the subject of affordable sports cars, and one thing that prompted my question, Rob, you were actually the buyer of a car that I had my eye on earlier this year, uh, which was a cool 86 MR2 uh, in a two-tone paint scheme that, uh, you don't see many MR2, first-gen MR2s out in the wild these days, uh, in any condition, much less, uh, uh, the two-tone. Tell us about what, uh, what's going on with that car. You, you driving it around LA or was that for a client or, uh, that was for was a Canada.
1: Yeah, that was for a client. I, I'd like to say that it was for me because it would be a fun car. Uh, but no, it was for a client came in, uh, Canada takes, you know, you have to be patient getting cars from Canada, um, but, uh, it came in and was everything it was represented to be. And, uh, just went through it, did some additional service to it. He's driving around it and enjoying it and yeah, great car. But I, I it wasn't a car that I bought for myself,
0: unfortunately. i sorry to
1: cut your story short a little bit there, but.
0: <laughs> no, it's quite all right. You, there's obviously a lot of, uh, uh, synergy between the collection and management and the BAT listing business. I, I love to know, you know, what percentage of the cars you list are kind of, hey, Rob, I want to sell X, Y, and Z. Uh, they're, at this, they're at this address. I haven't driven them in 10 years. So if you could go over there and get them running and, and get them on bring a trailer, that'd be great. Uh, or, 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 or are most of the cars pretty, uh, pretty on the button and in, in good order? Or is, or is, it, is it a hodgepodge of, of everything that you see?
1: You know, I, I try to avoid the, the cars that have been sitting for a few reasons. However, some of that to me is core to the car collecting world. So it depends on the car. Um, if you can stand behind the car for what it is and what it's not, um, there's something that's attractive to people and to me about a car that's been sitting in a garage for 10 years, right? There's Kesterosa, the
3: Testerosa in a box, Rob. Rosa in a
1: box was awesome. <laughs> and the, you know what, the funny part? I don't think I'm going to hurt anyone's feelings with this. When they bought because it went to South America. Um, when they bought the car, we had a full interior for that car, a brand new full interior, and they came and picked it up and literally just shoved everything inside, didn't wrap, it and went thanks and just towed the car out of there. <laughs> We're like, All right, well, enjoy your Testarossa. Um, we had a project Testarossa to give some some clarity to those who don't know what it was, and we advertised it with a with a fake uh, box, you know, assembly required, and it was it, there was there was a lot of things with that car that needed to be addressed uh, very publicly. But um, so I like that idea. I like the idea of a Ferrari in a barn, a Porsche that's been stuffed away with an old man who owned it and hasn't driven it. And I think there's something that's, that's charming and, and, and attractive about that. So I, I like to have those kind of cars in there and I like to have a variety. I, I want to, offer a 2000 GT or 300 SL just as much as I want to offer a $5,000, you know, Nash Metro. If, if they're, if, if it's a good car with interesting history or just a a special piece in the automotive world, not everyone can afford a 300 SL. Likewise, um, there's, there's great cars out there of all price points. um, And there's interesting pieces for everyone out there. So um, a percentage of you know, the cars that are in collections for the most part, I know the status quo of them. Um, that's a larger part of what we're offering is through our collections, but because of bring a trailer, uh, there's been a growing amount of people that come to us who, you know, contact us and say, I would love the stuff you do on bring a trailer. Can you help us market a car? And then, then it comes down to kind of individual, um, you know, understandings of the car and figuring out the history and so forth on them. Um, but most of them are pretty actively used cars and actively maintained cars. And there's some cars that do, that have been, Oh, my grandfather's owned this for 15 years and it's been, you know, sir he's, he's owned it for 40 years. And for 15 years has been sitting in a garage. And um, I like that. I'm glad those offerings are still out there. I'm glad they all haven't been just scooped up and disappeared. I, I, I drove by a garage in Mar Vista the other day, which is a, a kind of, Quieter, uh, becoming more affluent neighborhood though in Los Angeles, and uh, there was a garage door open, and there was two uh, '30s Rolls Royces uh, and an E-type flat floor uh, sitting there with like you know covered in dirt and boxes around them, and you know it's one of those things where they're they're still out there, right? Oh yeah, my my dad's owned them forever. We don't know what we're gonna do with them, kind of thing, and. You know, it's, it's great to know that the cobra in a barn kind of thing still exists, too. So I'm glad to see them on bat. I'm glad to offer a uh, Cadillac you know, hearse ambulance that needs restoration, that you'll never find another one. Uh, yeah, you have to invest some money and time in it. It's, it needs restoration, but it's cool that you can find them and, and that Bring a Trailer provides the platform to, to find them and to, to, for buyers to even
0: know they exist sometimes. I'd love to know, given that you've become kind of a go-to guy in, in the SoCal region and beyond for, for listing on VAT, uh, I mean, I'm sure time management is is something on your mind uh, each and every day. Uh, and I have to imagine that you know you know taking on the, the 96 Golf Harlequin or, or a you know a Saab 95 wagon probably takes about much time to do what you do um, as a 330 GTC or a BMW Z8 or, or something of of a higher in a higher dollar bracket. So. Uh, how how do you square the two? It, it, it seems from just a casual glance at your profile that, uh, like I said, you, you you are you are saying yes more than you're saying no. But 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 given that a a five thousand dollar car can take just as much time as a five hundred thousand dollar car, how do you? Uh, what's your kind of perspective on uh, on that dynamic? It's as much as I'd like to take on a lot of cars because I think there's
1: merit in a lot of cars. We're saying no a lot. Um, and particularly as it comes to cheaper cars, um, and cars that may not have as bigger collectability, um, you know, your Nash Metro may be cool. Um, I appreciate it, but it's maybe not the right car for us. So we do have to say no quite often, um, within the collections that we're actively managing though, where we are, you know, hands deep in these collections every day. Um, it's a little bit different. Uh, I, we can justify you know, running the $8,000 Cadillac hearse rather than, you know, on a, on an individual basis. Because yeah, it, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And, and I don't think people really grasp it sometimes how much work really goes into a successful auction. Um, you know, there's people who knock it out of the park, who phone it in. And, but then there's also, particularly when it comes to cars that you know, they may be a little bit more special cars or they may actually maybe the opposite. It may be, you know, Porsche 911 where there's, you know, plenty for sale all the time. How do you make yours a little bit different and, and a little bit more special? Um, it is a lot of work. You know, the, the really high end stuff, uh, we really, it takes a lot more time, right? When you're doing, you know, point of view drone video and you're doing, uh, you know, full crews for videos and stuff like that. That's the other thing that I think uh, isn't always grasped is, How much time and money, quite honestly, goes into making professional videos for cars on there? And um, I think it's a at a point of appreciation where there's some sellers out there that are making videos where there's a lot of time and a lot of effort that go into them. So um, and you know, obviously, we're the YouTube generation in a sense where we all just want to oh look at this. They could have done two first person drones and they could have, you know, rented the racetrack for the day and all this other stuff. And it's easy to, to quarterback it, but uh, you know, there, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of cars we do have to say no to um, particularly ones that either have, you know, I don't want to really run stuff with a story to it. That's not my thing. I don't really want to run something with an accident to it. I don't, you know, there's, I want clean, good cars that there's no version where I have to sit there and and talk my way around the car. I don't want to do that. I want to sleep well at night. I want everyone to know what they're getting. Um, So there's a lot of no's there. And then, you know, when it comes to collectible cars, though, I'm not going to, you know, we had a a black uh, Z8 we just sold. Black on black. I think it's maybe the most popular that was made black, black, or maybe silver, black. I'm not going to argue about color. I'm not going to, you know, it's a, it was a great car. So yeah, we will take on stuff like that for sure. Um, as long as we can stand behind the car. Um, cheaper stuff, you know, I don't really want to run a Nissan Versa necessarily, you know, so.
3: Deep cut, deep cut on the Nissan Versa there. Yeah,
1: but I'll leave it blank. I'll leave it blank.
2: Howard's tearing up right now. And-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think his video froze.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Do we have? Uh, do we have time for some? What do you think, guys? Some 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 deep market insights. I mean, obviously the car market is super strong. Uh, we, we've talked about that a little bit uh, on previous podcasts. Um, uh, right, Rob. You you had a, a really nice seventy GMC Jimmy that's sold you sold recently for 40,000 bucks. Yeah. If I saw that and it sold for 80,000, I wouldn't have been bad in an eye, right? I would have been yeah. like, okay, vintage four by fours are super strong. That was a nice, really nice example. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to me that some cars like that, you know, it can be it can be 30, it can be 60, it can be 120 and you look at it, it's kind of like, ah, oh, okay, shrug. I guess that's what it's worth. Um, yeah. Even stuff like 54 and 55 Corvettes. We've had a few recently that have, gone nuts, right? Those Yeah, are- what the hell is that all about? I, know. I think yeah, our I I've, know- been,
3: I've been having a moment with those early Corvettes recently. We had we had 255s, really early V8s with the 265 and the 3-speed manual. I mean, that may be my favorite Corvette. Actually, they're so pretty and they're so simple, right? And the you know the V and Corvette is bigger for the first V8. I love them. I think they're so yeah. cool. They're so interesting. I've, I, have you ever driven one of those, Rob? They might be like a kit car. That's what I worry about. You know, yeah,
1: we had one on on Bat. We had a, a really really nice fifty five. Uh, that was
2: way early days NCRS, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Howard, I I think. Uh, I think you're dead on in trying to figure out the market sometimes. And we're in a really strange market right now. Every day, you know, the, the Los Angeles car powers that be kind of, so to speak, we all just sit around and go, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, there's, there, there is a hunger for cars for a lot of reasons. Right. Um, and people want to talk about chip shortages and all this stuff on new cars and that's driving used cars. And it's true. Uh, particularly when it comes to newer uh, used cars. You, know, you look at Mannheim at what you know, the dealer auctions are doing, and you see crazy numbers on stuff. Um, and there's cars that are over you know, what they should be selling for on wholesale. Likewise, with older cars and classic cars um, and more collectible things that we see on Bring a Trailer, um, or we, I guess you'd call specialty cars of cars of interest, is that there's a shift uh, in cars being part of a diversified portfolio. Um, and people are approaching car buying with the same idea as real estate and just uh, saying, hey, look, this is part of a diversified portfolio for me. I have real estate, I have stocks, bonds, and I have classic cars. Um, and there's also going to be speculation that comes along with that, too. Um, so when you see, you know, the 80s Chrysler Fifth Avenue going for 25 grand, uh, you know, you have to scratch your head on who is making the decision whether they think it's collectible or not, but there's some speculation around it. And, you know, it's no different than speculating on a stock in some ways, right? When you say, oh, I think this could go to the moon. Well, it's almost riskier, right? Because speculating with a stock, a stock could go to zero, right? The company could fold. A Chrysler Fifth Avenue may not be worth 25 grand, but it's- But you can still commute in it. But- yeah. It's not going to go to zero. You got to put oil in it. So, uh, so I think there's some speculation on it, but it's getting harder to know, right? There's, there's testarosis are a great example, huge spread on testosterone sometimes where you just scratch your head. Um, you know, we had a, a 79 Bronco that was a semi resto mod, you know, had a coyote motor in, really well done, uh, jade green truck. And it went to the moon. Um, and it just took the right guys who were excited about it. Um, and that's just what happens sometimes. Um, it's, it's hard to get a grasp on it, but trucks, Howard. Yeah, for sure. Trucks in general have been hot, 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 hot. I mean, look at, look at LFA's. I, I told my clients, I don't know, three years ago, like buy as many LFA's as you can. And they're like LFA's, no way, you know, and now look at them. I mean, non-Nurburgring base ones are damn near a million dollars. Um, any limited production, bespoke chassis car, right? That particularly was not received well. So Carrera GTs, I mean, you couldn't give the things away. LFAs, you couldn't give them away. Uh, Ford GTs from the early 2000s, couldn't give them away, right? And now look at where they're at. So when you're looking at, at what's collectible, SLRs, I mean, we're in that upswing on SLRs right now. Um, and I think we're still going to see that on, on, uh, bespoke cars, low production that may have had an iffy introduction. That's the market that I'm really curious to see where that all goes. But, um, but the hundred thousand dollar Chrysler fifth Avenue or whatever it is, you know, that's, that's an interesting one to see where it pans out too, but (laughs) for different reasons.
0: I quipped about a SL65 Black Series. I think you sold one like a year ago for like 200 grand, right? We just sold a really nice one yesterday for 325 A Good example. Um, I think it did 406, didn't it? Yeah, it did over 405, right? I, in there. No, I'm sorry. I must have stopped watching at 325 it did. It did do over 400. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, crazy. It doubled in a year.
1: I know, bonkers, bonkers numbers, and that's not even a bespoke chassis car necessarily, right? That's that's it's that's a derivation. I mean, obviously a well modified one, but yeah, the market from two years ago to today is just it's it's not comparable. Um, uh, that that's a great example, that, that car. A great, how about great
3: those uh, how about those hundred thousand dollar three point two Carrera nine elevens, uh Rob, <laughs> you those. Uh I, I I'm curious, uh you've been, you know, selling on BAT for over six years or six years thereabouts, which is crazy to me. And um I'm curious what your thoughts are on kind of how the how the 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 selling collectible cars uh, game has changed uh in terms of people going online and selling online, right? Like that's your that's your business largely right and so i'm curious what your thoughts are on that and how that's changed or how you've seen that evolve over the last you know number of years or better part of a decade
1: yeah i mean look obviously bring a trailer really led the charge with it right and there's been plenty of people that have tried to replicate it um sometimes almost comically similar um but there's something really special to what you guys have done with the sense of community that's online. It was very organic, the way the growth occurred, Um, and it was organic the way the community occurred. So there's almost a sense of kind of familial sense with a lot of the people, especially those who have been on Bring a Trailer for a long time. Um, So that's part of the reason why Bring a Trailer's seen, I think personally, a lot of the success that it has, aside from lots of other amazing hard work that's gone into the platform. and it's hard to find that same replication elsewhere online. Um, but because of that, there's been this shift. Uh, there's been this shift to people buying online. Um, you know, I'm happy to show cars. I encourage people to come and look at cars. Uh, I want them to know exactly what they're getting. People don't really come look at cars that much anymore, they buy them online and they Buy off of photos and discussion, and uh, you know records and whatever else has been posted online. So, a shift to buying online has certainly occurred, but it's also shifted from uh, the kind of in-person analysis. Um, and having a platform like that that allows that depth of uh, information and that conversation to occur uh, has really shifted the market. Um, And that's not to just, you know, kind of, oh, I'm here to talk up bad. It's just literally that's what happened with the market. Um, And so there's a big shift online. Um, It's hard. I'll tell you what the hardest part is. The hardest part now is as a buyer, uh, because the market, aside from the market uh, being kind of in its own world right now of of uh, of pricing it's hard to find platforms to buy off of with any confidence now too, right? Um, and it's hard to find sellers who are engaged who actually wanna show the cars. I mean, you know, go on Craigslist. Any, everyone and everyone's been on there. Try and go buy a car on Craigslist right now. See how far you get before you throw your computer across the room. Um, so the shift to, uh, to buying online, I think in a, in a way where you can purchase online at the same way um, obviously it's been done before with, uh, with other auction sites, but not in the same way with the conversation and so forth. So, um, it's changed, it's changed the perspective from a lot of sellers too, on what they want to, uh, how they want to go about selling their car. You know, I used to have a lot of people would say, oh, you know, sell a private sale, whatever you want. Now it's, there's no, even if I get a private sale, even at a good number, a lot of my clients go, no, I'm bad. I want to, uh, you know that's what's great about an auction right an auction somebody's always telling you let me give you a little more let me give you a little more put it for private sale everyone's always trying to say well would you take would you take would you take and bat you down so
0: there's a big push to put cars online particularly on bat that private sale I hear that a lot it's kind of a misnomer right as if it's so easy what you have like your pocket listing and hey, I'm gonna make a few phone calls and oh. and we'll make it happen for you like could just doesn't really Doesn't really work that way, or, or the people that can actually execute on the quote unquote private sale, uh, they, they are they are coveted for a reason, and they have you know very valuable contacts and all that. But it it ain't so easy to uh, easy to talk about, not so easy to actually do in real life.
1: I Agreed. I think there is this this thought in the in the I'd say the older car world and maybe the uneducated car world that, you know, I, I and others just have a Rolodex, you know, the size of an off-road tire of people that I can just call at any given time and go, oh, take this 300 SL, that's the one for you. And then, you know, the wire comes the next day. It's not like that, especially, um, you're, you're exactly right. There's a few people that have those Rolodexes and that's what they do. But generally speaking, you know, it, it's, it's also usually seller expectations in the wrong place, hoping for a sucker in a sense. And it's, uh, and I think some of it's also just uneducated too, where the, the market has shifted in how to sell cars now. Um, and that's just not the way. The, the guys who were buying those cars uh, in private sale, they're thinning out by the day. And I mean, I'm sure you guys see it too on the bringer back backend. Your average age of registered bidder, I'm sure has, gotten, has gained depth and breadth to it, right? I, I'm sure there's a lot older clientele that weren't really subscribing that I I would be, I would argue without data that I'm sure has increased
0: on on bat. I'm sure that's true. I was, uh, happened to tune in to e E-Type uh, 63 XK Coupe auction last week. And I just happened, total quintums to know the two bidders that were going at it in the last minute. And both were uh, guys in their 70s that, uh that i knew kind of followed along the actually actually one i knew and one i looked at the username because i can, we can do that uh, as staff um and i was just curious and it was a guy that i know really well and i just chuckled to myself that you know tuning into this bat auction on a, on a monday afternoon and not only do i know the two guys but 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 and not that their age is terribly significant but but to your point about about demographic they happen to be you know, you know, two people that were kind of at the, at one end of the age spectrum. And, uh, and that makes me, that makes me happy to see that in, uh, you know, in an online uh, platform.
1: Absolutely. I mean, those are the guys who are wed to, uh, you know, the in-person tents uh, and, and the shift to going, Oh, actually there's great cars being coming for sale all week long. Right. And I may miss out on something. And the other big thing too, that, that, you know, to, you know, I, I think I should get a check for this, uh, for this, by the way, for, uh, you know, promoting this brand here, but. And uh, this the, invoice the, after. Yeah. Is the fee structure. Right. Um, and that was, I, I don't think I'm, I'm uh, giving way too much. Our 300 SL roads that we did sell the one that we were just discussing. Uh, one of the things that the buyer said was your fee structure. That's why I went heavy on the car because I, I'm paying for a car. I'm not having to pay, you know, fees to, to set up a tent and serve beverages. Um, so that, w- that was a big driver for it. And I think that's another part of what's great about the online experience now too, is that that the fee structure can be put into a palatable, uh, a palatable structure for people to kind of go, oh, well, I can, I can pay up for what I really want instead of just paying for, you know, these heavy fees that are going to continue, especially as it gets into the you know the heavy cars, the seven-figure car range. You
0: know, yeah, and that's obviously not unique to uh, to collector car auctions, right? Look at look at uh, online securities trading; those fees are zero, right? Look at uh, look at what Redfin and Zillow are doing to real estate; those fees have come down, right? How many how many travel agents and, and stockbrokers are still in business today, right? So it's yeah. uh, it's it's kind of a broader a broader trend that we're seeing, not not just uh, what we're doing, but but certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll put together the invoice. Don't worry
3: perfect uh uh speaking of invoices and and lovely settings are you in is that your shop uh, rob where where are you sitting yeah this
1: is one of our warehouses um we've got some of the stuff that's on bats here uh that's the uh ford ambulance and behind that's the bronco kevin hart's bronco that we just sold on bat um we've got our alcohol funny car here and that sl 65 we just sold we got about 40 cars in in this uh, warehouse and actually we I'm looking at another warehouse this week. Uh we need to get some more space. I, I try to keep the cars at the collections as much as possible, but cars that are, you know, one-offs with people or uh in process of something for one reason or another, particularly a sale. It's nice to have it, you know, where we have one place, don't have to go to a client's collection or house and have people there if we do that need to show the car. Um so yeah, we're uh uh this is just one of the warehouses just filled with bunch of stuff with wheels and tires
3: that's uh that's impressive robin's uh maybe a bigger operation than i expected how many people do you have uh uh in the wob cars universe now
1: it changes um i try to i try to kind of keep people independent as much as possible i think like even I, i've got a guy that's been working for me for a little bit now um matt he's been fantastic it's hard to find good people in the car world as i'm sure you guys know it's really really difficult he has been unbelievably fantastic. Um, you know, he had some, some business, some kind of consulting business that was uh, spread around uh, for a couple of clients too. And I wanted him to not lose that business. So um, he has some flexibility there and I have flexibility there. So I try to be fluid with it and I try to let people be independent. So I don't want to have on staff truckers. I don't want to have, you know, on staff, this, that, and the other, I try and keep good schedules where people know when they when I need them and when they need to be in um and so that way all the cars are getting detailed and prepped the right way and on time and um the next step really is I I need I need I actually need to hire a few more people um because uh it's getting a little unmanageable for me to be out uh developing the relationships and talking with the clients um you know if I'm taking photos and so forth so um, there's a few things that need to change, but there's a few guys that help out, and um, it's, it's, a, it's only a small circus, not a large one.
3: <laughs> awesome. Any, uh, any other exciting
1: teasers other than the 2000 GT? For yeah, upcoming- what do we have oh. on deck? Uh, we've got Michael Richards' Nomad coming up, so Kramer from Seinfeld. We've got his Nomad. Uh, which is pretty cool. Black, white. Uh, That's a fun, uh, that's a fun car. We have a 4,000 mile Vantage coming up. Nice car. uh, 07 Vantage gray over Burgundy. Uh, We've got another Unimog U500 coming up. Uh, We've got a, uh, we have a half track. So here's some, I'm not going to give away too much, but we've been working on something that'll be really, really funny that I can't wait to bring you guys. It's military and it flies, Um, (laughs) but I won't give away too much because I still need to nail some stuff down on it. But, um, yeah, we always have some just kind of interesting stuff. We have a, uh, um, actually we, I think we do have another tank we're going to run soon. I think we have, uh, I think we have a, uh, another Stuart we're going to run, uh, and maybe a Ford, uh, GW or GPW, which was kind of like a, a, uh, swim wagon and a Ford swim wagon. Oh, we've got a Kubel wagon we're going to run, I think soon too. Um, so we've got some of that coming up. Uh, we may have another train coming up. Uh, which would be fun—a uh, little steam train—and uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. that's But well, we're
2: really looking forward to the C130 listing that's upcoming. <laughs> so-
1: <laughs> it's it's not all that far off. <laughs> it's not all that far off. No, uh, that's
0: great, uh, Rob. Well, thank you. I know uh, I'm sure that our community members who followed your auctions for uh, for for five, six years will were really. Uh, uh, appreciate hearing from you personally, and uh, and uh, I, I learned a lot about uh, about Wob and and uh, what makes you tick. So we're looking forward to to seeing what else you got uh, on the docket for the rest of 2021 and beyond.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, and and I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate you guys just doing the work that you have to do on the back end on this platform because it's I I can't imagine the scale of work that has to occur every single day on the back end. So. Especially because you know, I, I even take it for granted, right? I send you guys a bunch of photos, and I get an output of an ad and everything organized, and you know, it's it's really impressive what you guys are doing. So I'm I'm glad to see uh, glad to see Howard hasn't gotten fired yet.
0: Very but, good, uh, thank you. A lot of people said it, it they can't believe it's taken us 30 plus episodes uh, to to finally interview you, but uh, but we made it happen.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm I'm like the number two seller. That's the reason why. <laughs> hey, only you have the power to change that. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll start getting some, some other cars for you. I'll get, I'll get more Nash metros and, and Percy.
0: Very good. Well, well, when you pressed auction number 1000, we'll have to have you back for, uh, for, for round two, but, but thanks for the time and uh, and we'll see everyone back here next week.